Good morning. It is Monday, December 21st, 9.08 a.m. I hope y'all had a good week. I had a pretty good one. Just spent most of the morning researching, excuse me, for part two of Phil Collins, A Tale of Three Wives. So there's a lot to tell. Um, each each marriage gets more interesting, and there's more salacious tidbits. Um, I think as Phil evolves or devolves as a person. One moment. So this episode covers Phil Collins's marriage to Jill Tableman. Um, who he met shortly after his breakup with Andrea Bertarelli, his first wife. Um, So it's funny because of the on-again, off-again nature of his relationship with his first wife, they were actually talking about reuniting um and you know it was a brief a brief talk of reconciliation and then of course a week after this toying with reconciliation phil again goes back out on tour he's always on the road um and it was in 1980 at the Rainbow Bar in L.A. that he first saw Jill Tableman. Jill Tableman was a tall, willowy blonde with a love of vintage clothing and kind of more eccentric L.A. looks. She was the antithesis of Andrea Bertarelli, in that, not just her looks, but in her temperament. She was raised in Beverly Hills, and she came from a very well-moneyed family. Her father was a, I guess, kind of like a mixture between a couturier and, and a tailor, and he outfitted lots of Hollywood greats such as Milton Berle and the the Marx Brothers. In fact, Groucho Marx was Jill's godfather. So she was very comfortable um, running around in elite circles and as she was somewhat part of the elite circle herself. One moment, coffee. Phil was smitten by her striking appearance and he asked he came up to her and asked for her number she's a bit taller than him too I think she seems like she's about eight inches taller than him um (laughs) but you know maybe I'm not very good at judging heights um then he lost the number and then had a staff member track her down and he asked her to join him on the rest of his tour, and she took him up on the offer. So, you know, they're living that 
that bubbly, highfalutin <laughs> rock and roll life um, with as the most luxurious accommodations you can have on the road traveling constantly. So it's, you know, life's a different pace. And then after the tour, uh, Jill moved with Phil to back to England with him. And in 1984, they married. And first they, they lived in a more modest home. And then they moved into a really kind of like a large country mansion in Loxwood, West Essex. And they had a very, you know, idyllic life there. They mixed socially with the townspeople. They took long walks and they cooked at home often. Phil was often seen at the pub having a pint, probably singing along and stuff. I've never been to like a real British pub, you know, with, because I've never been to England, but I can imagine that he was probably singing a lot in the pubs and they were like, Sing us another, will ye? Um, I can imagine that that was happening. Um, Phil loves attention. He loves people gathering around him as he plays the role of, you know, chummy piano man. Phil also went out on tour a lot still during this period, but Jill often went with him, unlike Andrea. And it was partially to keep him company and also partially to make sure that he didn't cheat on her. Um, in 1989, they had a daughter named Lily, who is now the star of such greats as um, Emily in Paris, which I love that stupid show. But yeah, the, that is Phil Collins's daughter. And it didn't, having a daughter did not keep Phil from having a wandering eye. Um, and this was compounded by the fact that it really started to come out that Jill and Phil did not have much in common with each other. Um, they kind of orbited you know, they had, they had their, how do I explain it? Their orbits of their worlds that they came from brushed with each other and maybe, you know, overlapped with each other, but they were entirely different worlds. Um, and by then, Phil was actually pretty good friends with Prince Charles <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, so he was hobnobbing with royalty and like really leaning into the country gentleman fantasy when he was not on the road. And he was involved in the Prince's Trust charity, which was probably something very dull, but um, he was all for it. He was very gung-ho and very involved in that charity. And Jill was more into antique shopping and she would go to auctions at Sotheby's and she apparently was known for being a real cheapskate and she would like haggle for a lower price and stuff even though she was filthy rich they just had different approaches to life 
And one day, one evening, excuse me, I don't know why. One day, one evening after a show that Phil had done in L.A., where, which Jill had accompanied him to. This was in 1992. And he was backstage and he saw someone from his past. And it caught him off guard. He didn't expect that she would take his breath away once again. Who was this woman? Her name was Lavinia Lang. And she and Phil went way back. Um, If you hadn't listened to last week's episode, um, I encourage you to stop this one and go back and listen to last week's. um, Just because there's some factoids in there. But in a nutshell, um, Phil had first married his kind of junior high school and high school sweetheart, Andrea Bertarelli. But he was also <laughs> he was also involved with two other girls. Though this was as a teen, so he had a lot of on and off again, like um, you know, multiple women or young young women in his life. Um, So it was, he dated Andrea, he dated Lavinia Lang, and he also dated a woman named Georgia Rhodes when they were all in school together. And so she was one of the uh, women in his coterie as a youth. And it's ironic because Andrea, Phil's first wife, was the person who pulled the puppet strings in arranging this reunion. So that is that is kind of strange. She was um considering all the tumult and turmoil. But and and you know, when I have been doing my research on this, it's like for reasons unknown to us, Andrea arranged the reunion between Phil and Lavinia. Let me tell you something. I think she probably couldn't stand that Phil was married again and living in some basically some idyllic mansion and that Jill was accompanying him on tour all the time and I think she wanted to fuck with her um that's my personal opinion you know why go through all this trouble to you know arrange tickets and a backstage pass and everything for someone that your ex-husband used to date and you know how he is because you married you were married to him so, yeah, unknown to us, but my speculation is she wanted to fuck up Phil and Jill. And she succeeded if that was her intention. Um, Phil was talking to Kevin Costner, who he'd been dying to meet. And they were backstage just shooting the shit, probably talking about charities. Um, and Lavinia entered the room and she was unaccompanied. Her husband did not attend the concert with her. Um, Lavinia was living in LA and married to a film producer named Brett Hudson, and they are still married to this day. When he saw Lavinia, this is a quote from him. 
time stops, then rattles backwards fast, dizzyingly, to my teenage dreams. I am not thinking about my nearby wife, three-year-old daughter, and mother-in-law. I know recounting this makes me sound like a right shallow bastard, but I'm not that way. I'm very loyal, very committed. <laughs> committed to your dick, Phil. Um, because cheating on someone is not loyalty. All he was able to do was exchange pleasantries and give her a chaste kiss on the cheek as his wife, Jill, and the mother-in-law and the three-year-old daughter were also backstage, observant of his every move. He stayed in touch with Lavinia by um, cards, letters, phone calls, (laughs) probably no faxes that would come later. Um, and then she visited England, you know, visited her family in England for six weeks that summer. And she and Phil met for many steamy trysts and rendezvous in various unspecified locations. Things steamed up so much that they even discussed leaving their partners. And Lavinia was about to do it but she feared that she would lose custody of her children, which is something Phil didn't give, apparently, a flying fuck about on his end. So she backed out and returned to her husband, and he took her back with open arms. Jill, however, although she took Phil back and gave him a lot of leeway, considering that he had just had this passionate affair with this woman who he had way more in common with and who was way more his type. Um, She took him back, but then cracks started to add up into an enormous fault line between them because they just would get in these horrible screaming matches and they could barely tolerate each other. It's kind of like the mask came off, like, You know, money is a great buffer. Just imagine, and I'm sure that some of you guys already do have this, but imagine if you had so much money that you could basically live in a separate wing of your mansion from your husband if you wanted to. And you could get all the space that you needed from each other. Um, you always had whatever kind of food you wanted, always had people cleaning up after you. Um, you could shop whenever you wanted. You could travel wherever you wanted all the time. Um, everything was taken care of for you. Um, you would have a staff of nannies and, and things taking care of little baby Lily. And, you know, you could basically, your life, as far as the comforts of your life, that, that kind of puts a buffer on the less pleasant aspects of being in a relationship. So they had that going for them. But the comforts that they had created, their creature comforts, were not enough to sustain them. And that is... So when this passionate, raw affair, you know, came in and blew in like a tornado in their lives it really brought to light the things that were missing from their marriage. 
And despite this, they trudged along for another two years. And, you know, he didn't... He didn't cheat on her, he said, for those two years. He was faithful to her, which... I don't know. He probably had had sex or got... He probably, like, got blowjobs and just didn't count them or something. Um, And then in 1994, Phil was again on a brief, kind of like a press junket in Switzerland, and he was introduced to his interpreter. He was 43 and she was 22. Her name, Orion Savi. And she, or Seve, I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced, but Seve is how I'm going to say it. Um, She was just a pretty young thing, very well-spoken, well-educated. Her, she was half Thai, so she had some, she had a look that, Phil probably hadn't seen before, and it was very exciting to him because she was very beautiful and very young. And, you know, he relied on her to speak his precious words to those who could not otherwise understand him. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? So I'm sure that fluffed his ego because there's something about him that is just so easily led astray, you know? Like, wow, she understands what I'm saying. And now she's going to tell these people here what I have just said. And she said it verbatim in another language. And she's beautiful. Like, I think that's kind of what his, you know, dick was telling him. Um, So... They fell in love, or at least he fell in love with her, and they started a relationship. And the story goes that he faxed Jill shortly after and asked for a divorce in the fax. Can you imagine that shit? You don't remember that? That is a fax machine noise. And I know that sounds so awful, but that's what it sounds like. And then it says, Jill, I want a divorce. I would throw that freaking like 30 pound IBM fax machine. And I would just like freaking smash it to bits. Or maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I'd be like, good riddance. I'm saving this fax. Um, this will be handy when I take it to my divorce lawyer and and, you know, get millions out of you. Um, who knows what Jill truly felt because Phil denies it all as a nasty rumor. Although he did communicate with, with Jill quite often via fax machine. Um, but you know, that rumor just ruined his reputation professionally and personally for some time. Yeah, well, you know what? It is a shitty way to break up with somebody. Um, I No one really knows for sure whether he actually did that. I think that he probably said something like, I met someone. 
and then they got a divorce soon soon after or something like that. But I believe Jill got $25 million out of him. And she has an antique store now in, I believe it's in West Hollywood. Um, I forget the name of it. I'll look it up. But she's living the dream. And she's she and Lily are quite close. Um, Lily kind of defaulted to, I guess, her mother's side because she was the one who was mostly around. There's so much more to this story. And I really appreciate you guys listening and um, staying abreast of, of this unfolding. Phil, he... He says that, you know, he, he was just following his heart. But then on reflection, he was being a bitch. Which I couldn't agree more. You know? Um, following his heart. Huh. That's interesting. Like, following your heart. Does that mean that you have to hurt people so bad? I don't understand that, but maybe it does sometimes, you know, maybe it does. Maybe following your heart means that you have to break away from situations and people and environments that don't serve your higher self. But I, I feel that there's, way, there's better ways to go about it in a way that causes the least harm possible. Anyway, I have got to start shipping. Oh my God. The researching has thrown off my timing, but it was worth it. It was really fun. And I got to do laundry. And then uh, I'm going to sew. I've got so much shit to do. Thank you guys so much for listening. And, uh, I hope that you have a wonderful holiday on Christmas Day, the 25th. Um, I will be presenting part three of Phil Collins' A Tale of Three Wives. You will not want to miss it. It it basically just, it's insane. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.